how much more vulnerable can I get? How much more authentic can I get? I thought I was being authentic. What else could I be if I'm not being myself? And then you start catching yourself really trying to live somebody else's life, build somebody else's business. And you're like, oh, that's not it. That's why it's not working. Ah, because I'm just trying to copy somebody else's reality. Because we don't take the time to find out what our reality is. Of course not. It's harder. <laughs> it's a lot harder, harder than copying somebody else's. But it's also harder to stay unsatisfied with yourself. So pick your heart. <laughs> This is for the others out there, the other ambitious people who want to play at a higher level in their life. It's time to get curious and get real. Join me, and together, let's find the others. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation with Marta Spurk. Marta is a wife, mom to five-year-old triplets, a podcaster, empowerment coach, and marketing strategist, helping women entrepreneurs to move past perfectionism, imposter syndrome, and comparison, and into visibility, credibility, and profit. It is both her passion and mission to give women the permission to succeed, letting their voices be heard to create the impact they were meant to have as they step into their entrepreneurial potential. We talked about her experience having triplets, all about her background, her crazy background that got her to where she is, her background in linguistics, what it means to be truly authentic, and the biggest roadblocks that people face on their journey of self-acceptance. It was a really great conversation, lots of insights here on this one. Be sure to give Marta a follow on Instagram at Marta Spurk, and check out her podcast, the Empower Woman podcast on her website, www.martaspurk.com. You can check out some of her other programs and offerings as well. She's an amazing woman, amazing light to this world. Please welcome Marta. Hello, hello. It's so great to see you. Good to see you too. How's your day going? You just finished up a live event? <laughs> yes, I did. It was a lot of fun and I'm still kind of uh, going over the, con the conversation that we had last <laughs> last week for my show, which was so enlightening. I was sharing it with friends and it was just a, a great conversation. So I'm super excited for today. That's great. Yeah, exactly. Time to continue the conversation. This time you're in the hot seat. I get to ask you the questions, yes! <laughs> which I'm pumped for. It's always funny interviewing other podcast hosts because the conversation, like you can tell that they're a podcast host based on the way that they respond to some of the co the mm -hmm. questions and the questions they ask back when they leave space, when they put, right. a, put a period on their sentence, right? Yes, it's a great dynamic for sure. It's pretty cool. And you've been doing your podcast for a while now, right? Yes, it's been three years. I just celebrated it last week officially. Wow. Three years since I launched. Congratulations. How many episodes Thank have you me. done in those three years? So um, it's almost been 200 episodes. The count wow. has been a little off because I've released some bonuses, but I was just looking 
on my host and everything. And it's just shy of 200. I think I'm at 198 right now. Wow. Oh, that's so cool. Three. That's a big milestone. I I just, I hit 50 and I was thinking, man, that's a crazy milestone. 200. There's always levels to it. There. Yes, definitely. What, um, what was the, I mean, also, I think there's a lot to unpack there because sticking with something like that for three years is not an easy thing. What's been your mindset around sticking with that? Has it been difficult? Has it been easy? What's the, what's the flow been there? So it's actually been pretty easy because I've been really creating my content around a podcast and really vice versa. Like it's just a constant. It's just something that is there. Mm -hmm. And also because of the feedback that I've received and, and just seeing the stats of people from all over the world listening, even, and that's the tricky thing I think with the podcast and me resonate with this is that you don't really know (laughs) who's listening or what's going on. It's not as an immediate feedback as with social media, which we could get hung up on that as well. Cause you, there, the likes, the comments don't always correspond to what people who is watching, but with the podcast, it's even trickier because you literally, there's no way of knowing who's, who's seeing and who's resonating um, unless they reach out to you or leave a, a review and all of that. But I think for me, what, what got me started was um, I was going through a course and the mentor that I was going through the a course with had a show and had a whole setup. Like part of the program was if you want to launch your podcast, I have this and you can, you know, walk through this and, and it's going to be helpful for you. And I had no intentions of starting a podcast. I didn't even listen to this mentor's podcast a whole <laughs> lot, which made me kind of feel bad. Um, I was not a podcast person at all, but I'm a speaker person. <laughs> I'm a right. talker. And um, starting a blog I knew would be good, you know, as an entrepreneur, people talk about that. And I do enjoy writing, but my brain just operates at a different speed. And I enjoy speaking a lot better. And um, a lot of it also has to do with like my career path, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. But I'm officially, you know, in terms of college degrees and all of that, I'm the English major languages person. Uh, I have a degree in translation. I'm a certified court interpreter for Colorado courts with Portuguese. I'm Brazilian (laughs) native. And uh, so speaking as opposed to writing has always been the very first thing in my mind because there's no revisions. There's no, you know, got to think, you got to read it over. I mean, a text is never done, period. You can be editing books for the rest of your life, you know, even as you publish a book. And when it comes to the spoken word, what you said, you can't take back. (laughs) And it's tough, but it's also pretty, it's it's a challenge that I enjoy. And I know you're a fellow challenger person. So you understand that of like, and that's why I've loved really the high of interpreting because when somebody speaks, I have to speak. It's, it's pretty much simultaneous. There is no time for me to think, Oh, what's the best word here. It's literally what comes out of my mouth. Mm. It's what's going to be on the record. And especially when you talk chords officially, and it's a lot of responsibility, but it's also the dynamic of, you know, the challenge and all of that. And so I was attracted to the idea of a podcast and I thought, man, if I can just pretty much do talk therapy for myself with my content and get clarity and other people are listening in. It's so many wins and I love repurposing and I love, you know, uh, killing many birds <laughs> with one stone because right. time is of the essence. So this is really what got me started and what has kept me going um, because it fills me up and I know people are getting a lot out of it. So that's very cool. So you're a, you're an official tra- uh, interpreter for the courts of Colorado. So yes. you get called in to do interpreting, to interpret people who can't yeah. speak English. 
Exactly. Yeah. So it's actually a free service uh, by the, by each state. If you don't speak the language or if you would like to have that assistance, even if you do speak because it's, you know, different terminology and you don't feel safe, you can literally request to have wow. an interpreter free of charge. And, um, and this is how I do most of my work. I do stuff for hospitals and schools as well, but I love working directly with the state because it's very, uh, you know, regular pay. Everything mm -hmm. is very legitimate, obviously. Um, and it just makes me really feel like I'm, I'm making a difference yeah. um, in helping somebody through usually mm -hmm. tough situations. Right. That's that's great. I feel like the, I feel like even English speakers need a translator sometimes oh, with yeah. the legal jargon that they <laughs> totally. use. <laughs> they need to translate yeah. it to the layman terms. Uh, mm -hmm. That that's really really interesting. What got you into that? Like, how do you how do you fall into that? So it all started. Well, first and foremost, I've been obsessed with the American culture from a young age. I don't know if it's like a past life thing, just mm -hmm. a purpose thing, something I was born with, whatever it is. Actually, I somewhat has have figured that out and understanding doing the personal growth stuff i've realized these things about me being so competitive and always wanting to be associated with the best i don't want to be last in anything i want to be first mm. in everything and then seeing the us especially growing up in brazil there's a heavy influence of american media movies music sure. um it was just and we learned english in school it's the official you know foreign language that is learned uh, people take private classes, like it's something for your resume, all that good stuff. Um, I've, I'd always been obsessed with it and I knew I wanted to do something with it, but it really started with my mom being a pastor and getting in touch with several American ministers that would come to Brazil to teach at our church. And when I was 14, people knowing that I had an easy time with the language, my mom started asking, can you translate this newsletter? Or, you know, next time we're talking in a small group, can you interpret? And it evolved into me being the official interpreter mm. for large groups of thousands of people. So being in front of people, it wasn't my message, but in sort of a way it was because it was my voice that people heard. If it weren't for me, they wouldn't be able to get that message, right. <laughs> you know? And I really enjoyed that part of it. Um, and it's really what I believe catapulted me into the work that I do right now because now I get to share my own message. So right. that's how I got started. That's very cool. And yeah, I love the parallel. And, and how do you see that parallel with what you're doing now with your with your women's empowerment work and your vision and mission there? Yeah, I mean, it's completely related. And in, in many ways, I during the journey, I hadn't seen it because even with family at times, it was hard for them to grasp. Like you're going from this to that, like it's completely unrelated. Marta, you're crazy. And <laughs> now I see the relationship, especially with me being so attuned to languages. Mm -hmm. Languages are culture, culture are people, their feelings, their worldviews, everything is extremely interconnected. Um, and when you learn a different language, it's almost like you become a different person. Mm. And now I see that I've been different people inside of my own body, you know, my Brazilian self, my American self, now that I'm officially an American citizen since last year. Which Congratulations. Thank That's you. That's big time. Yes, it's super big. It, it, it's one of the achievements for me to remind myself, like, Marta, you are an American citizen. At 14 years old, years and years ago in Brazil, that was not something that I even knew would be possible, you know? Mm. Um, so. It's these identities and finding yourself, which is a lot of what I work on with the coaching is the visibility of, mm -hmm. I will make mistakes in front of people. In fact, as an interpreter, that's one of the hardest things because there will be people in the audience that will maybe know more than you or have a fresher mm -hmm. head because they're not actually talking in front of a billion people, <laughs> you know? 
that will call you out on mistakes. And that's one of the hardest, I think, parts of the interpreter job, at least for me with being, you know, so competitive and wanting to do such a great job is when there's people in the audience or people you're interpreting for that say, you didn't say that, right. That's not what they said. Mm. Um, and just putting yourself in those positions, which I love a challenge, um, makes you grow because you learn rejection, you learn reprimand, you learn, you know, that things are not always easy and you will make mistakes. And that is okay because we're all imperfect. Um, and that's a lot of the empowerment that I bring, I believe as well. Beautiful. You, you've mentioned a few times that you love you love a challenge. You love challenges. Where, where did that come from? When did you realize what was the first challenge that you were like, oh, I love this? So looking back into my journey, I know a lot of it had to do with me being the younger child and hearing from my mom how hard it was for my sister that I came in because she was four. So for a while, she was the only person. <laughs> she was the only kid. And then I come in and I'm loud and I'm super extroverted to begin with. And it's almost like I stole the show. Um, and I think knowing that repeatedly being said to me that, you know, she changed, she became more withdrawn. It kind of put this little bug in my, in me that, you know, you need to find your place. You need to make your place on, on this earth. You need to claim your spot. And so I know a lot of the competition came that way because my sister is not competitive. And so I kind of took upon myself um, to take it an extra mile than I would have already, I believe, because of just the way that I am. But I think a lot of it contributed to, and now I see, you know, there's no harm in that. I've released forgiveness (laughs) for my mom for saying that story over and over again, because I know it created some scars in that sense of you are competing with this other person. Now I understand that that's not the case, but I know it began at an early age because of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, makes sense. And then were you part of being drawn to American culture? Were you were you always drawn to entrepreneurship or starting your own business? Was that a challenge that felt inspiring to you or did you stumble into that? So it happened with English to begin with, because I started teaching when I was 14. So right at around the time that I was helping with the interpreting and translating, people started asking me, can you help me? Even uh, um, peers in school were like, we have a test coming up. I don't feel, you know, confident. I know you can help me. So I would, I'd start tutoring friends and people from church and they would come to my house or I would go to their house. So that's how it all started. And the fact that my dad is an entrepreneur himself um, and my mom being in church because uh, whether people like to admit it or not, church is a business. Right. And um, so I pretty much grew up in an entrepreneur environment, even though I hadn't recognized that until recently <laughs> after, you know, starting my own journey, I'm like, gosh, darn it. This is what I grew up seeing. It's Mm -hmm. people creating their own personal brand, essentially, and selling that and selling their services, products, whatever it may be. Got it. So the women that you help now, like, tell me a little bit more about the vision, the mission, and how specifically who the kind of women that you help are. Yes. So the women that I help really are women that are on a journey of self-acceptance. And even though I have been focusing more on entrepreneurs, it all started with moms because that's how my journey into official entrepreneurship or as a coach, I suppose I should say, um, began because five years ago I had triplets and I was not expecting any of that. No one would ever. And uh, I had them in Brazil where we were living at the time. And then we moved back to the U S it was so many changes. 
um, all at once. My uh, father-in-law had been diagnosed with terminal cancer. That was one of the reasons why we moved back. So he would have some time with the kids. And uh, I just, I don't even know all the things that I was feeling. And five years later, I'm still unpacking because as you may have heard, the whole postpartum journey is pretty tricky. It's you dying and becoming alive again, but you still are that same person from before. So there's a whole lot of baggage and so much change. And being the overachiever that I am, I knew that adding something else would actually help me on this journey of self-acceptance, of self-discovery, of finding the time in my life for myself now that I had to spread myself thin for so many people, (laughs) you Mm -hmm. know, all at once. And so it really started with me in this journey of self-acceptance and self-discovery. And I started targeting moms to begin with, but then I understood that not only moms needed this work, um, everyone really needs this work, men as well. I don't like excluding men. It's just that my focus are are the women and lots of women at that time that weren't yet moms started reaching out to me and saying, you are an inspiration thinking ahead. You know, when I have my child, I want to be in this space and I'm thinking good for you. I wish I had done that beforehand, you know, but then again, that wouldn't have been my journey. And then that's how I help people now. But um, so it evolved into helping entrepreneurs because I realized that that's where this drive and really the uh, awareness of personal growth really is. I mean, more than anyone, entrepreneurs understand that it starts with you, that everything that you create uh, will be a mirror of where you stand right now. (laughs) Right. And so um, the women that I work with are women that are on this journey to really see the best in themselves. And this is what I know that I do is that I, I help them with this process because I believe in them. I see the best in them. I see, you know, their potential. I see the impact that they can create. But at the point where they, you know, start working with me, they don't fully see that. And that's also a, refle- a reflection of my journey, because I know that the more I see my impact and my potential, the more I allow these women to see more of their potential as well. So it really starts with that and helping them be more confident in what they have to offer, really find out what they want to offer, because that's a journey in itself. Like, you know, sometimes we start like, like myself targeting moms and you're like, Oh, that's not really it. And we all go through that really normalizing the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause that's something that we struggle a lot, especially in the online space. We see the, the afters, we don't really see the befores. They're not really talked about. It's been changing with time, but it's still a highlight reel, regardless of how honest and vulnerable you want to be. It is still a highlight reel. And this is something that I want to bring out more and more of the imperfections, the vulnerability, and encourage them to do that with their content, because that's what people um, connect with as well. So I would say overall, that's what I work with. (laughs) That's great. That's great. Yeah, it is such a funny thing. And I found this as well, but you know, you can't fake the authenticity. Right. And when you really are vulnerable and in, in the right ways and vulnerable doesn't need to doesn't need to mean like, oh, my goodness, I'm so sad. or I'm going through yeah. these hard times. But it just means being real to yourself and whatever that and whatever that might mean like that. That to me is becoming the 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 more valuable currency on social yes. media. Do, do you see that, too? Yes, 100 percent. And I totally agree with what you said that we don't really know 
what authenticity means. I think all of us in the online space have heard somebody, if not many people say, you have to be authentic and you have to be vulnerable, but really understanding what that means is a journey in itself, right? How much more vulnerable can I get? How much more authentic can I get? I thought I was being authentic. What else could I be if I'm not being myself? And then you start catching yourself really trying to live somebody else's life, build somebody else's business. And you're like, oh, that's not it. That's why it's not working. Ah, because I'm just trying to copy somebody else's reality because we don't take the time to find out what our reality is. Of course not. It's harder. <laughs> it's a lot harder, harder than copying somebody else's, but it's also harder to stay unsatisfied with yourself. So pick your heart. <laughs> that's so good. That's so, so true. It, it leads you to ask the question, well, who am I then? Who do yeah. I want to be? What if what does authenticity mean? Like, that's great. You're totally right. You hear people say, oh, you know, you can't fake yeah. authenticity. Authenticity is is the way to connect with people. But then the next question is, OK, well, what is what is my authenticity look like? Mm -hmm. Is that something that you find a lot of a lot of women you work with have that question? Exactly. And it's a lot of um, un really understanding how much you've been in denial. I think one of the biggest uh, things that created more and more of my growth was me allowing myself to humble myself to knowing that I don't know and to knowing that I have been pretending that I know because I thought that was the right thing to do mm. or that's how I would position myself as an expert. That's what would make people like me and trust me more is if I were to put on this show or this persona of, of course, I'm an expert. I know all the things and it's just so... Uh, kind of like an oxymoron. And, we, and I remember we talked about the an oxymoron when, when we chatted to, there's so many of them, um, that it's actually the opposite. The more you humble yourself and say, I, I, I'm really just figuring this out, friends. Everyone is like, oh my gosh, so am I. So let's, let's get together, you know, and, and let's be friends and let's not know what we're doing together because then we can help each other figure it out together. Um, so yeah, I totally, I don't, I don't know if I answer your question. <laughs> You, get, you, you gave me what I needed. So that's, that's great. It, 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 it certainly is. I, I'm, I'm curious to hear what, what, what are some of the other big roadblocks or challenges, common themes that you see a lot of, uh, a lot of people and a lot of the women that you work with run into as they're on their path of embracing their authentic self, expressing their mm -hmm. authentic self, building their business, becoming a better, uh, yeah. in, on that path of self-acceptance. Okay. So I think there's like two sides of it is the women that look at the work that I do in empowering women and think this is great for the women that need empowerment, Marta. I'm already super empowered. Don't really need that. Or, you know, I'm super confident and this is, this is great for the people that are not confident. And that is a really dangerous space to be in because it is a, a space of denial, right? Just to piggyback on what we're talking about before, because I'd always seen myself as a super confident, outspoken, self-assured woman. And then I had triplets and all of these things came to the forefront of, whoa, 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 whoa. That's not really the way that it is. And, and that's why it was extremely humbling to me. And I realized that by me thinking that I'm, I am, you know, as confident as, as it gets, or I am as empowered as it gets, I'm actually stopping myself from growing, from uh, impacting and reaching more people, because it goes back to understanding that there are levels, there are levels of confidence, there are levels of empowerment. And it's really working backwards of the more you understand that there are, that there's still more to get, 
the humbler you get and the more people you attract. And so for the people that are thinking I'm super confident because you're extroverted, usually that's what people um, compare it to. It does not truly mean that you are really confident and uh, accepting of who you are. And in many ways, it's actually the opposite because you've you've lived in that space for so long. That's all you know. And you think that you have what it takes, but especially for entrepreneurs, and that's something that I noticed in myself. If you're, if that's not translating into income growth, into um, growth for your clients, then you really need to check yourself and check that confidence level because it's more towards the denial arrogance space than really the empowerment because empowerment is not that arrogance. It's the humility, right? right? And so, and the other side of the spectrum that I see patterns is women looking at me because I'm so extroverted and because I'm just all up in your face, they think I will never be like that. So mm-hmm. I can't succeed. This is not for me. I should just be quiet and sit down. And, and it's an understanding that we are all different. You don't, we don't, you don't want to be me, please. Yeah. It's never going to happen, you know, and, and, and you don't want to be me because it, being introverted, there's, there's space for the introverts right. in the world. In the world well, it would be ignorant to you. Like if you try to be me, it'll be ignorant to you and the, the natural abilities that you have that I don't have as well. Exactly. Exactly. So this other pattern of this is great for all the people that can reach that, but I can't. So kind of like inferiority, superiority complex. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the work that I do, I use the Enneagram a lot. And it's been an amazing tool to understand personality types and how people fall into these groups of I'm super empowered. I know everything. And the other groups of I will never know anything. Mm. I'll just be in the behind the scenes, which we need the people in the behind the scenes to help, but they still need to be empowered too. Yeah. And those are both stages of denial, right? (laughs) Like (laughs) denying yourself of your potential and your room mm-hmm. for growth or you're denying yeah. your uh your ability and what you actually have to offer exactly yes totally yeah yeah that's yeah that's definitely uh that's definitely really powerful so it's it seems like there was a life event that happened to you that jarred you and forced you kind of to yes. ask these questions or to, to to challenge your paradigm of thought or belief or the way that you see the world 100%. right that was that that was receiving the news or having triplets or the postpartum tell me more about yes, that. yes it was um i think it was a step-by-step thing because while i was carrying them i was trying my best to be really mindful of my emotions and thoughts because mm-hmm. my biggest fear was them feeling unwanted and feeling my anxiety and feeling my fear. And and that's why I believe I had a great pregnancy, great delivery. And they did really, really well Mm -hmm. once they were first born, because I was really, my goal was to preserve myself for their own well-being. And then once they were out is when it was like, all right, so what just happened? You know, it was almost Mm -hmm. like I still had the responsibility, but it was different because I was a separate being <laughs> right. at that point. And that's, and especially after we moved to the U S and it was like, now it's real life. It was, it was almost like those first six to eight months. It was just getting used to it because mm-hmm. new routine and all the million things that go with that. Once they were sleeping through the night, everything was okay. We were okay. Okay. Enough to move to a different country and start over. I felt really thrown up and shaken up and and that I needed to really start questioning and understanding for their sake, but also for my sake yeah. of what am I doing now and what am I passing on to them? 
Right. So did you receive the news like from an ultrasound or something like that, that you were having triplets? Yeah. So it was pretty crazy because um, we struggled to get pregnant for a whole year. And then I decided to go to a, a fertility specialist. We did one cycle of hormonal stimulation. And so I, we caught it pretty early on because it was, we were really following up and, and mm-hmm. watching everything. So I was five weeks along when I had the ultrasound but I already knew I was pregnant for like a week or so. It was Mm -hmm. just an ultrasound to see if everything was in place and if everything was okay. And I actually went to that appointment by myself because I had been going so often to check on the progress of everything prior to actually conceiving that it was just kind of like a routine. Everything is fine, you know, and let's just check this out. And then the three gestational sex were already there super early on. Cause w- with some people, some people may have had multiples. And I think that's something interesting to share, but sometimes it doesn't take. And then mm. you only learn later on that you're pregnant because you miss a period or you take a test. So you would have never known that you actually had multiples mm. and maybe that happened. And another thing that happens too, is that sometimes, especially for our with identical, none of my kids are identical, but with identical uh, babies, they, one egg actually splits in two. And that's why they are identical because they share that DNA. And sometimes the split doesn't happen until a little bit later on. Mm. So that's why sometimes people have in their first ultrasound, one baby, and then it turns into two, or it happens with triplets too. You get the news, oh, I'm getting twins. And then a few weeks later, you have an ultrasound and there's a third. And that's because (laughs) one of them split. So it's crazy, crazy stuff. So, but for me, um, it happened on the fifth week. They were like, they were meant to be, (laughs) there was no way around it, you know? And I just cried. I left the appointment crying because I didn't know what was going to happen. And the OB that I had at the time, he was pretty straightforward and he was even, you know, which I understand doctors have a different brain, uh, the majority of them, but, um, he was like, you know, it's going to be tough. You're a small woman. Um, he put pretty much put it like it it is. He gave it to me. And, you know, he said, you're probably not going to reach the 40 weeks, like all of the things, like it was a lot of stuff at once. And then I started having to plan for the kids being in NICU because that's a reality with multiples, you know, Um, and all of my hopes and dreams, natural delivery, breastfeeding, everything pretty much went out the window. And that's why I made the conscious decision through pregnancy that I wasn't going to psych myself out of it and go crazy Mm -hmm. because- I I would say the first trimester was the hardest. It was when I was curling in a ball and wondering what was going to happen if I was going to die, if one of them was going to die, because that's another concern too. People lose babies farther along at times at 20 weeks. You know, um, I was in several groups of multiples and there was a lady that had the triplets and one died in the womb and they couldn't remove it. It, Mm. She had to carry the pregnancy until it was time for the other. So there's lots of terror nightmare stories with this. Um, hence why I was a little desperate. <laughs> yeah. But it sounds like you kind of held it together and said, all right, I'm not going to deal with this now. I'm going to focus on yeah. just being the best that I can carrying through this process and I'll yeah. deal with it later. And then like yes. eight months after they came, the later came and you were the like, oh, crap. <laughs> what is going on with my life? And that's where um, I, I actually started my business in network marketing. And mm-hmm. it was a very interesting and easy way, I guess I should say to get my feet wet, to have, you know, the support of other people. So it wasn't by myself, but it was then that I really got into personal growth and I understood, oh crap, 
my mindset, my feelings, my thoughts, they really affect my whole reality, uh, which I was already attuned to that, you know, growing up in church, especially through the pregnancy, being mindful of these things, but it really took it to a whole new level of, oh, wow, I'm creating my reality and I can be doing this and I can be helping others do the Mm. same and I'm doing this for my family as well. And so after a year or so of that is when I started my podcast and started branching out and doing my own stuff. Got it. That's insane. Yeah. And can you tell me a little bit more just because I don't know much about postpartum? Like, tell me a little bit more about what that is and what that's like. Well, it's pretty crazy and confusing. Um, And I think especially for me, because I like being in control so much, um, it's tough because especially in my case with three kids at the same time, a lot is out of your control. And the more that I could get things under control, the easier I made my life. And that's one of the things when people say, wow, how do you do all this stuff with having triplets? And it was because the only way to really survive multiples, and I see that with singletons, this doesn't happen because you have the luxury of not really going there, is having a structure, is having a routine, is having everyone on the same schedule. I hired a sleep consultant before I moved to the US because I knew I wasn't going to have help. How the heck would I eat? How the heck would I sleep if they weren't sleeping? And so even to this day, we have a pretty solid schedule of when things happen. Of course, with them growing up and having different personalities, it's a little bit more flexible. But in great part, it was um, having a structure to everything that kept me going because there wasn't a whole lot of room for me to be like, what what is going on? Mm -hmm. Like I would still do that, (laughs) of course, but with it being clockwork, you can't just sit there and feel sorry for yourself a whole lot. You just, you have to keep going because the kids are your alarm clocks essentially. And you just, you know, you keep moving along. So um, that is one of the things that I feel like were super helpful to me in this crazy period of postpartum. And also something else is that postpartum never ends. And most women, um, I think, go undiagnosed with postpartum depression because there's not, I mean, things are changing with the online space. You have blogs, you have other people that are, you know, educating and all of that, but it's still taboo. You don't want to go out and say, I have these feelings. You don't Mm. want to tell your spouse. You don't want to tell your family because instantly people are worried that it's really, really bad and that you need meds and that Mm -hmm. you need to be admitted. And, and nobody wants to admit that weakness when you're supposed to be caring for another human being which is a crazy thing because we we should be able to uh, ask for help. Um, But there's also the mom guilt, the infamous mom guilt of this is mine now. You know, this is, this is, this is all on me. (laughs) I have to do it. I can't admit that I'm struggling. And so now looking back, I'm not sure if I actually had postpartum depression or what that would actually be called. Cause there's other, you know, different, um, clinical names for like baby blues and things like that. And that's just generally after you give birth, after you deliver that you just go into like a, like a lull or into a depression. Yes. Yes. Usually they say within a year or so you're officially in the uh, postpartum phase. uh, phase. Yeah. But it really lasts forever. Mm. I mean, it lasts forever because you're constantly having to make decisions for these people that are not you, but that you're responsible for, you mm-hmm. know, and, and that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do, because I'm constantly talking to other women that are moms and that they understand I have this need to create this other side or to foster this other side of my identity. But I feel so bad 
because I have these people depending on me. And so for women that are entrepreneurs, I feel like this is one of the best ways for you to actually deal with these feelings that you don't know what, mm. what, what they are, because you have to, for the sake of your business and clients. So if you weren't doing it for your family, because you were thinking that that was selfish, because that's usually what happens. Once you are actually building something that needs uh, tangible results and income, and you're helping other people with whatever inc- uh, results you're providing, you feel the sense of responsibility and you see how much you need to be nurturing yourself. And so it comes full circle of, oh crap, I, I should have been doing that for my personal life as well. Mm. And many women don't do that because they're either stay-at-home moms or they're working a nine-to-five job. They have a boss that tells them what to do. There's not room for, hold on a minute, I need to prioritize my mental health, you know? <laughs> so. Totally. What what role would you say that community, other women, other people per, like play in this process? Because I feel like, and I'm sure obviously having a supportive partner too yeah. plays plays in this process, but specifically like the the community, the mastermind or the like-minded other people? Like what, what role does that play? Do you see? Oh my gosh. I would say it's like not half the battle. It's like almost all of the battle for sure. Um, and especially when you talk women, because we're constantly trying to pretend that we're stronger than we are or that we can handle more than we actually can. And it's usually not for our husbands. It's usually not for our kids. Even it's for other women Mm. because we don't want to fall short and it's, it's really a standard that doesn't exist, but everyone has their kind of mm. like set of expectations that they believe the world has of them. And it's just exhausting. It's extremely overwhelming. So when you get together with other women that are willing to be vulnerable, so that's really the difference because I'm sure there are several moms that have other moms that they, you know, hang out with. What are the conversations? Is it, you know, my husband just got a promotion and I, we bought this new car, we went on vacation, or is it, I'm struggling and I would love to have a conversation and hear how you've been doing, you know, that's really, uh, the difference there. And what I see in my work and what I have been creating is, is the space for the authenticity and the vulnerability that we've been talking about. And it starts with me being Mm. willing to do that, which is so freaking hard. And I know for some people, it's easier than for others. I would say for me, even if it doesn't look, it is hard because I'm such the overachiever, the competitive person, I always feel like I need to be on like, you know, think athlete, and you know, this better than anyone, like there is no room for mistakes, like my life depends on it almost, you know. And so um, and that's why I, I feel and I know that I am so qualified to talk about this, because if there's anyone that knows beating yourself up, pretty sure I'm the expert on this. (laughs) So I can, I can speak to this and, and, and tell women that, you know, I understand where you're coming from, but that's not the way it's actually cutting yourself some slack that will, will get you farther. So yes, community is huge. Yeah. And it makes total sense because uh, I've always fascinated reading the, you know, the history and evolution of our, of our human species and how Mm -hmm. we, when we were tribal living, it wasn't just one mother or one parent that raised yeah. a kid or your kids. It was a whole community. Yeah. It was a whole tribe. It was many mothers. It was many, yeah. it was many women caring for people. And I feel like that's probably something that especially single mothers struggle with is yeah. that kind of aloneness from a, from just a physical capability standpoint, but yeah. then also from that emotional or, or mental support standpoint as well. Definitely. Yeah. The the, the physical for sure, especially for me with triplets. (laughs) 
but definitely the emotional support and the not wanting to, and I've had issues with like, especially my husband's family of them having expectations of what I'm supposed to do. And my own set of expectations that I believe they had of me, um, and just being able to create my own community that understands and that nurtures me is so helpful. So if you're not finding it in your regular environment, in your own family, I'm of the opinion, go create your own because that's what I did or go find one. <laughs> that's the whole purpose of this podcast. Find the others. You got to find, yes. find that community, find that, find that tribe. What is, what does find the others mean to you? Oh my gosh. I love your definition, but I guess, um, it's pretty similar. Find in my case, find the other women who are willing to strip themselves of all the masks, all of the, you know, the shoulds mm. uh, that they've imposed on themselves or that they've allowed others to impose on themselves um, or that society just has imposed through the years and just be who they were meant to be and really step into their light. Beautiful. I love that. So what's, so what's, what's next, what's next for you and, and your, and your vision here, you're going to continue with the podcast. You're going to continue building this community. What's the, what's the bigger vision here for what you're working on? So the bigger vision really, and it's something that I've started doing, but on a, it's going to be on a bigger scale. I, I envision and see it is continue to create events where women come together to empower each other. In mm-hmm. fact, just as we're recording this, I wrapped up um, a live summit that I put together with uh, several of my clients as speakers and other women participating as attendees. And there were tears, you know, there were uh, chills and truth bombs and and just us allowing ourselves. And, and really the end of everything was, yeah, we're, you know, setting boundaries. We're becoming more self-aware. We're creating systems in our business to bring in more income. But at the end of the day, the end goal is self-compassion, is really, really, really developing the ability of every single day telling yourself you did great today Mm -hmm. instead of you didn't do enough. So Mm -hmm. this is really my goal is putting women together, especially through in-person events. That's really the goal. Uh, with all things changing in the world, I know it's, it's challenged, but it's needed more than ever, yeah. um, uh, putting people together so that they we're reminded of this because mm-hmm. it's something that we learn, uh, with time, it becomes more of a habit of you changing those thoughts, just like we were right. saying, changing that paradigm and reminding yourself that you're great, but it's the community helping you remind yourself that gets you going farther and farther because we can't do this alone. Yeah, makes total sense. The question I have for you, how do you balance that with also growth and achievement and getting things done? Like it's always been something I've been curious and exploring. Like, how do you balance that that self-compassion and no matter what happens, I did great today with also mm-hmm. being able to hold yourself to a higher standard and say like, you know what, right. actually I could have done a little bit better because, you know, as someone you know, as, a, as a business owner like yourself and a successful yeah. one at that, I'm, I'm curious to see how you reconcile that in your mind. Yeah, I guess it's my turn because I think I asked something similar <laughs> yeah, yeah. to you on the podcast. <laughs> put me on the spot. So I think that is very personal again. And that's mm-hmm. why self-awareness is so important because what, um, is helpful to me may not be what is helpful to you. And for me, because I am so action driven and because I have so many ideas and I act on them so quickly Mm. for me specifically is developing the habit of taking a step back, 
and really asking myself, does this go along with my vision for the future? Is this going to take me closer to my ultimate goals and being honest with about my goals? That's something tough as well, I think, for business owners, because we see other people and we assume we have to have the same goals that they have. And it's, again, recreating somebody's business, recreating somebody's life instead of taking the time to really find what your goal is, what your purpose is. So I think first and foremost, um, working hard, (laughs) but not too hard, (laughs) taking a step back, uh, working hard in in figuring out what my actual goal is, uh, as opposed to copying what somebody else's goal looks like it's a good one for me. And then taking a step back from action taking to actually enjoy the fruits of Mm -hmm. my labor. Mm -hmm. um, And find fulfillment in the lull as well. Find fulfillment in when I'm not doing anything because I know for my personality, I tend to attach my worth to the things that I do. And that's why I do so much. Um, And instead understanding that my worth just is. I'm not increasing my worth or decreasing my worth. It's a constant at all Mm -hmm. times. And the more I understand that, the more I can achieve and uh, reach. So Beautiful. Yeah, I I like that idea of it being just different for everybody because someone who might naturally come from that place of self-compassion or or nurturing or perhaps more of that self-reflective space, Mm -hmm. their focus might need to be taking action and might need to be, okay, cool, I have these ideas or I know what I need to do. I need to hold myself to the standard of doing it. Whereas Mm -hmm. for someone like you, it might be like, I'm doing, my default mode is action. So I need to remind myself to take a step back and to focus on that self-compassion. So yes, yeah, I think that's a valuable question to ask yourself. It's like, what do I, what do I really need here? And, and, Mm -hmm. and listening to your intuition on what that might be. Exactly. Can't yeah. fail if you learn to listen That's to it. That's it. Uh, last question I have for you is um, you've done a lot of personal development. You've done a lot of, uh, you've spent many, many years on working on yourself and it's a constant uh, journey that never ends until we take our last yeah. breath, right? Um, mm-hmm. w- what, if you could, what what is the biggest insight or takeaway in your personal journey, in your personal growth journey that you think change your life the most or has the capability of changing somebody else's life the most, the the most simple concept that you can take away? Really, it all goes back to understanding your worth and understanding your value as is. Um, It's just so cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason, right? right. (laughs) So um, I I just want to share briefly that I've had the opportunity to do two different um, self- discovery trainings with horses and they were incredible. Um, I've, I know I I have to pursue my relationship with horses. Whoa, that's so cool. (laughs) Yes. It just hasn't worked out, but it's actually a friend that uh, owns a a training center in Brazil and she does corporate trainings for leadership and it's all with horses and it's not riding horses. It's interacting with horses because horses are supposed to be a mirror of you. They literally just give you back what you're, what you're putting out. And so it's a great way for you to see where you're, where you stand energetically and in so many different ways. And out of these interactions, um, what has come about really has been Marta, you have achieved so much, but you don't fully believe in yourself. Mm. How much more will you do? How much, how many more people you're going to, uh, affect and impact once you truly step into who you are Because that's really the hardest thing is we are afraid to step in our light. It's just too bright and we can't take it. 
and it seems like we're going to be rejected. It seems like people are not going to love us, but it's the opposite. And so it's literally following that fear mm-hmm. and leaning into the fear of if I really am who I am, is this going to be enough? And the more you lean in, the more you understand it's totally enough. And it's a, it's a lifelong process of leaning in and allowing that light to shine brighter and brighter. And so, and I think especially, you know, after having kids and seeing mine grow now, my gosh, what I want for them is to step into their light fully, Mm -hmm. fully, fully, because I see it already. It's already there. And I know it's, you know, with growing um, teenage years and all that stuff, we tend to dim that because we start looking around and thinking, man, I don't think I'm that great. I don't think I'm that great. So it's years of us thinking that. And then we hit our thirties or so. And we're like, okay, so who I am again, who am I, you know, let's go back (laughs) to the beginning. And, and in me having these three at the same time and understanding that my, my abilities are limited as a single human being, this is a lot of the process too, of I want to make sure I foster this in me so much Mm. so that they can do it as well for themselves, because regardless of how much I love them and shake them on their shoulders and tell them you're amazing, you're amazing, you're amazing. It won't matter until they actually believe it themselves. Yeah. Wow. Well said. That's beautiful. And um, they're certainly lucky to have you as their as their Mm -hmm. mother paving the way and leading by example. Um, this has been awesome. And we need to have a whole nother conversation about the horses because right? that is like, <laughs> I know that, that is <laughs> like, amazing. that's insane. It makes so much sense. They're such, they're such beautiful spiritual creatures they for are. sure. I've, I've, I've always understood that, but it makes total sense to me. So I've got, yeah, I got to talk to my sister. She was a big horseback rider too. So I got to okay. see what she knows on that. But, um, yeah. but thank you so much. I mean, honestly, like women are the, the most powerful creators as you literally create life and yes. you did that times three in one go. So that's pretty mm-hmm. amazing. So you're a pretty powerful creator in my mind. But um, but yeah, I just want to thank you for all the work that you're doing. Um, really amazing. Thanks for sharing. Um, th- thanks for sharing your energy, your mission, your vision, your light with us here. And I'm just so excited to see it continue to unfold for you. Of course. I am just so grateful to have shared this space with you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Okay. Talk soon. Thank you. Bye.